today to the first year of 20, or first week of 2013. Happy New Year's. We are so excited about what God is going to do in this series on Common Sense. We're going to talk about what it means to make decisions with wisdom and how that leads to success in our life. But before we jump into the message, I wanted to share with you some very exciting news that I know that so many of you are anticipating and eager to hear, and that's the total of our annual impact offering. You guys ready to hear this? You want to wait to the end of the uh, message today? Okay. So um, we set this goal last year back in November, and we knew that $100,000 for us as a church was a big, huge, God-sized faith goal. And if it was going to be fulfilled, it was going to require a ton of sacrifice on the part of our people and miracles from God. And so we were praying. It was a bold goal. We knew that we might not hit this goal because it was a bigger goal than anything that we'd ever done for our end-of-the-year offering as a church. So we set it out there. And then in like mid-December, when we were about 30% of the way towards the goal, I was a little bit discouraged and thinking, how in the world are we going to hit this goal if we're 30% of the way and we've only got 15 days left in December? We sent out an email. We mentioned it again on Sunday, and then people started to give, and it started to come in. And then last week, uh, around Friday, I heard that we were 86% of the way towards our goal, so I was a little bit more confident that we would get to it. And then people continued to give generously over and over and over and over again. And so I wanted to tell you that we actually did not hit our goal, uh, and we did not just exceed our goal by 15% or 20% or even 50% or even 60% or 70% or 80%. Because of your generosity and because of the provision of God, South Bay Church, our annual impact offering, gave $193,000 to causes beyond the walls of our church and to make an impact next year, exceeding the goal by 93%. So I want to say thank you for your generosity, your sacrifice, your giving. This is evidence to us as a church that God is doing a great work and has great plans for this year, that there are so many lives. And every year when we start off the new year, I just always try to, in my prayer time, think about the faces and the lives that were changed in the previous year, knowing that there's so much more work that God wants to do. That's why I'm so excited to start off the year with this series called Uncommon Sense. We're going to talk about wisdom over the next five weeks. And what we're going to discover is when you implement God's wisdom in any area of your life, when you implement wisdom into relationships, finances, marriage, dating, when you live with wisdom, you're going to experience a measure of success. And oftentimes, the success that we'll experience living with wisdom will be faster than we would, obviously, without wisdom. That sometimes in a year or two years, you will experience more success than some people will experience in 10, 15, 20, 30 years of life and 30 years of trying. So we're going to unpack, and the question we're going to deal with is what does it look like to build our lives with wisdom and ultimately experience the kind of success that God wants us to experience in life. Now, I know and you know that there are people that we see who are successful that it seems like that person, no matter what they do, no matter what they touch, becomes successful or turns to gold. You've experienced this before in school, students. You study, you work diligently to get prepared for a test. She studies, he studies, you get the D, and she walks away with the A. Happened to anybody in here? It's happened to me a couple of times. Others of you, there's somebody that you work with, 
and you're working on a project, you're trying to make a sale, he's trying to make a sale, she's trying to make a sale, he makes the sale, he gets the promotion, he gets the increase. It seems like everything he touches or she touches turns to gold. Or, or maybe flash back a few years to college and there was that girl, she was the cheerleader, she was good looking, she was in great shape, she got the jock, he was good looking, he was in great shape, they got married, he got a six figure income, he moved to a great part of the country, bought a huge house, is loving life, they have multiple kids, 2.5 kids, their kids are, are like perfect, mild-mannered kids. They say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, please, and thank you. And your kids are like straight from the pit of hell, it seems like, at times. You guys know what I'm talking about? There are just those people that they seem successful no matter what they do. Now, there is a facade of success, and success is always, not always as it appears. But our natural tendency, at least my natural tendency in, in my flesh, is to do what? It's to judge them for their success, right? I can't believe that they're so successful. They're, they're doing something wrong. They're, they're, they're cheating on their taxes. They're, you know, if I looked like her or if I looked like him, this would be my spouse. If I was raised in that family, this would be my income. So we, we judge them and then we explain away their success as if we were in their shoes. We would be just as successful as they are rather than stepping back to ask the question, why are they successful? Why is this person winning in their marriage and this other person, this other marriage is failing? Why is this one family doing so well or this one single doing so great financially when another person or another family just can't seem to make ends meet or to pay their bills? What is the difference? And my guess is in most instances where there is success, there is wisdom that is being applied to that situation or that circumstance. That's what we're going to deal with throughout the course of the series. But I felt like today, before we jump into laying, before we jump into what it means to build our lives with wisdom, that we needed to first lay the foundation. Because you've seen it and I've seen it. Where somebody succeeds for a period of time, their marriage is going great, they're doing well with dating, they're doing great in their job, but all of a sudden it seems like everything breaks loose in their life. All hell comes a, a, a undone. It, it seems like life comes apart at the seams for that person or for that family, and what they built for a period of time, the success that they had for a period of time did not sustain itself, and it was because what they built was built on a faulty foundation. And so today I want to address the question of what is the foundation to success in our lives that we can build on that will sustain success over the long haul in our marriages, in dating relationships, at our places of work, with our finances, with our children. What is the foundation of success? That's what we're going to talk about today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to be looking over the course of these five weeks at different truths from the book of Proverbs. You may even want to journey with us and read a chapter from the book of Proverbs every day to help you gain wisdom through this series. Listen to how this book starts off. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Now Solomon was the third king who came into leadership in the nation of Israel. The first king was a wicked man by the name of Saul. And the second king was a guy by the name of David. And David had built the empire of Israel to be one of the most powerful nations of the world at that time. And God had given his favor and his blessing to David. And then David passes the throne to his son, Solomon. 
And Solomon comes into leadership. This great nation that's one of the most powerful nations of the world. And he's overwhelmed with the magnitude of his calling to lead this nation. And he has a conversation with God. And in his conversation with God, he says, God, if you would give me one thing, if there's one request that you would grant of me, I ask that you would give me wisdom, that you would give me wisdom to lead this great nation. And God said, because you asked, I will give you wisdom. And not only will I give you wisdom, but I will give you everything else that comes with wisdom. And so this man, who is the wisest man to ever live on planet Earth, would write this book to us that still 21 or thousands upon thousands of years later can be applied and put into action in our lives. And listen to what he says. He says, the purpose of this book is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. I think all of us, if we're honest, would say we want that, right? We want to be successful. No, nobody would like raise their hand and say, I, I hate success. I don't want to be successful in my job. I want my dating life to fall apart. I, I want to have a horrible marriage. I want to have a bad relationship with my kids. We all want that. And he says this, this is to help them do what is right, just, and fair. And these Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge to the young. I, I love that wisdom is not something that you have just because you're old and gray-haired. I mean, if you live with experience and you evaluate your experience with teachability, you should grow in wisdom. But wisdom is available to all of us. For those of us who are in our young 30s, to those of you in your 20s, those of you that are teenagers and students, all the way to those of you who are in your 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, Wisdom is available to anyone who will listen. He says this, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. If you're wise now, good news for you. With teachability, you can continue to grow in your wisdom. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now, if I'm reading this book, which was written and oftentimes read to young teenage boys before they would transition from adolescence to adulthood because God knows that oftentimes young teenage boys are fools. It would be read to them to help them increase their wisdom. If I'm reading this book, at this point, I'm like, yeah, 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 I want that. I want to be successful. I want to do what's right. I want to live a life that is filled with justice. But then Solomon almost pauses to give this statement that, that like kind of turns our way of thinking and lays the foundation for the rest of what he's going to say in the 31 chapters found in this book called Proverbs. In fact, he says something that is so essential, so key, so important for us that we must not miss this, that if we miss this, we miss the kind of wisdom that God wants us to live with, both back in the day when Solomon lived and in the 21st century today. Listen to what he says. This is the essence of what we want to camp on today. He says this, for the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge or wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. For the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. It's the beginning point of a life that is lived within the wisdom that God has set forth for you and for me. Now, when I'm reading this, and kind of the 
I think the questioning part of me asked the question, why in the world of all the things that Solomon could say is the foundation of wisdom, he would say the fear of the Lord? I mean, I think about humility and teachability, the very attribute that allows you to absorb wisdom into your life. Or I think about how he'll go into throughout the course of this book, being around people who are wise, that that could be the foundation of wisdom. I think about diligence and the, the willingness to apply ourselves, to study and to learn, how that could also be a foundation for wisdom. But of all the things that Solomon would choose to be the foundation of wisdom, Solomon chooses the fear of the Lord, which then leads us to the question, what is the fear of the Lord? What does it mean to have the fear of the Lord in our lives? Does it mean like my kids are oftentimes afraid of monsters in the closet and under the bed that I would, I would think God is like this monster who's trying to get me when I'm asleep? What is the fear of the Lord? Well, let me explain it like this. A couple of years ago, I was away with Stacy, my wife. We went on this marriage retreat, which we do a couple times a year, and we just get away and try to hang out with each other and invest in our marriage. And this time we went up to Sonoma County. And there is this beautiful beach in Sonoma County called Goat Rock Beach. And you guys ever heard of or been to Goat Rock Beach? It is just incredible. And we, we went to this restaurant, which kind of overlooked the, the, uh, the beach. And as we're looking down at the beach, we notice that there are these massive waves crashing into the shoreline. And it, it's like there's this huge cement wall that is protecting a part of the beach. And these big, huge 15-foot waves are coming down and they're crashing against the wall. And then when they crash against the wall, they're going back out to sea. And the waves that are coming in and the waves that are going out are colliding with each other to make these massive explosions that are going 25 to 30 feet in the air. It was just unlike anything that I've ever seen. And the little kid in me is like, I've got to get as close as I can to this. I've got to go down and figure out what is going on. So we got in our car. We left the restaurant. We drove down to the beach, and we got a little bit closer. And I don't know if you've ever seen waves like this, but crashing into the shore are these massive 15-foot waves, like five yards off the shoreline. They'll come up. They'll go down, and then they'll suck back out to see anything that's right there on the beach. You seen this before? And I'm standing there. And I'm just adoring the beauty of these waves and the colors of the ocean and the foam that is just kind of moving in and out from the shoreline back to sea and just looking at the majesty of God's creation. And then I got a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And then I thought, if I go any closer than where I am right now, I'm going to get sucked into the sea and somebody's going to find my dead body somewhere on the Pacific Ocean. There was this boundary by which if you crossed it, you're in trouble because the ocean is bigger than you. It's more powerful than you. It could suck you back out to the, into the sea. You'd be eaten by sharks and entangled with jellyfish, and your life is over in a moment's notice. You could adore and enjoy and walk up and down the beach, but there's this line, this reverence this respect that one should have. In fact, I read in the news this week that there was a guy that was walking on New Year's Day very close to where we were at Goat Rock Beach, and he got too close to the wave, and his wife and his dog got sucked out to sea. He saved his wife, got her back to shore, then went back out for the dog, which I still can't figure out why he went back for the dog, and unfortunately 
was washed out to sea. Because here are these massive waves that should be respected and should be feared and should be honored. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's not that God doesn't want a relationship with us. It's, it's not that, that God isn't loving and merciful and kind and compassionate. But he's the one that created the whole universe. And if the Bible is true, he spoke it into existence. And he created the rules and the principles and the way that the planets spin and the way that life is supposed to operate. And so wisdom, the foundation of wisdom is this. It's the fear of the Lord. And it's the reality that he is God and I am not. I don't hold this thing in orbit. I don't control my world. I don't control your world. And I should not presume to control the entire world. See, control is just an illusion. And the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But again, my skeptical nature. I see people succeed all the time apart from the fear of the Lord, right? I mean, you see people who do well financially, like Warren Buffett, right? We'll take him. He's one of the richest guys in the world. He rides the stock market like a surfer and just makes billions of dollars. I've never read in any newspaper article that that Warren Buffett said the foundation of all this for me is the fear of the Lord. And I've seen people with their marriages, they have great communication, they, they train their kids with values apart from the fear of the Lord. I've seen people advance in their careers or build great companies apart from the fear of the Lord. I yesterday went to Weight Watchers and um, it's my punishment for putting 10 pounds on during the holidays. And, and so I'd done this before where I lost like 15 pounds going to Weight Watchers. And it's always a, an interesting experience because I think Weight Watchers is like trying to target young men because that's why they're using Charles Barkley. I, I guess Charles Barkley is kind of an older man, but uh, they're trying to target men at least. And I go in and I, there's like 30 ladies who are about 15 to 20 years older than me. And I won't say anything else about them physically, but the demographic is just a little bit different. And um, so... I've lost weight a few times going to Weight Watchers, and what I realized going to Weight Watchers is that there are some people that go to Weight Watchers like every week and never lose weight. They just keep going back over and over and over and over again, and they're paying the $40 a month fee, and they're like, it's like a social club for them, and they come in and they're like, oh, I ate another Cinnabon, and you know, I over and over again, and, and I'm like, why would you keep going? And, and you know what's interesting to me? There are other people that they come in and they lose weight. And I watched them. I watched when I was going, like somebody that would lose like 40 pounds in, in three or four months, just being diligent and faithful, apart from the fear of the Lord. It's not like they said, oh, because I fear the Lord, I'm going to do this. In fact, I got this little, I thought this was kind of funny. I got this little monitor that's supposed to track my activity. So it knows when I'm moving. So I've just been doing like that with it. So laying in bed. Every throw it up a few times, I get a few extra... Um, calories throughout the course of the day. A little distra distraction has nothing to do with my message. But the point I wanted to make is that you, you can succeed apart from the fear of the Lord. So why would anybody live with the fear of the Lord? Uh, but you cannot, you cannot succeed apart from the natural way that God has placed the universe into orbit. Like, for example, you can't, like eat more calories than you burn and lose weight. You could do liposuction, 
but you're going to be back right where you started if you live with the same habits. You can't spend more money than you make and succeed financially. There's just no way around it. You could win the lottery, but eventually, if this is the way you live, the path you're on, which which is what we're going to talk about next week, this is where you'll end back up. So, So why? Why would anybody then live with the fear of the Lord? That's what I want to address. See, since I love visual illustrations, I've got my Legos here, and we're trying to get the most out of our Christmas presents for the kids this year. But I was thinking about this. I've got two sets of Legos, one a green set. I've got seven of them because that's a significant number that's in the Bible. And I'm going to build this one set of Legos, and then I'm going to build another set of Legos right here. And the same skills that I used to build one set of Legos are are the same skills that I used to build another set of Legos. It's the skill that allows me to build Legos. You know, you just put it on top of the other and you have a tower and these towers are seven strong, okay? Now, do you think that these towers can withstand my breath? Let's try it. They can't withstand my breath. Why can they not withstand my breath? because they're not on a foundation. So if I take one tower and I sit it on a foundation and then I take another tower, it doesn't blow over. One tower that's built blows over when it stands the test, the other is secure. See. If the goal of your life was success in this life or wisdom in this life, then it would make sense to build apart from the fear of the Lord. But maybe, maybe this year there is a purpose behind your existence and why you didn't pass from this life to the next apart from wisdom. Maybe there is a reason why your heart is still beating that is not so that you can be more successful, so that you can make more money, so that you can have a great marriage with 2.5 kids and and drive a BMW. And and it must be like this deep navy blue color because that's like what every BMW in the Silicon Valley is that or black. Uh, and, And so you can have a white picket fence or you can marry that guy or that girl or you can work for Google and get a portion of their stock and cash in or so that you can work for Facebook and hope their stock grows. It's not so that you could be successful is the world deemed successful because there is a part of you that is at the core central component of who you are that will never be filled with peace, that will never have satisfaction, that will never have joy, that will never truly be fulfilled that is this part of you that only God can fill. And so maybe, just maybe, the goal of our lives should not be to be wise, but the goal of our lives should be to be connected to the one who created wisdom. That the goal of life is not to be successful, but it's to be in relationship with the one who determines what success is all about. He's the one that you and I will stand accountable before when we pass 
from this life to the next. And the scripture says the things that are built on his foundation will last for all of eternity. And so maybe real wisdom is not how high your tower can get because whether it's this life or the next life, when the trials come, even if your tower is that big, it's going to fall down because it's not on a secure foundation. So maybe there's a different way to look at life. Maybe there's a different lens that we can view life through in 2013. And it's this lens. The goal of my life is not to be wise, but it's to be connected to the one who created wisdom. The goal of my life is not to be successful. It's to be in relationship with the one who determines what success is all about. So in my marriage, those of you who are dating in your dating relationship, in your places of work, when it comes to your habits and your choices and your discipline and the way you treat people and then the way you relate to employees, if you're a boss, all of the components of life, the most important thing for you and I is a personal connection with the creator of the universe. And what he longs for, for your life and my life, is this relationship whereby he would be in control, not just of the universe, but in control of your life and my life. And so now this year, what if we switched the lens? What if we approached every problem, every opportunity, every situation and circumstance with a new lens that is built upon the foundation of the fear of the Lord, that there is one who created the universe and keeps it in orbit, and he is God, and I am not, but he is also loving and compassionate and merciful and desirous of a personal relationship with you and me. I think what would happen is what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 say would happen in our lives when it says this it says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on what your own understanding human wisdom has limitations even the wisest person in the world Warren Buffett on finances would tell you he doesn't know what's going to happen next with the stock market But God existed before there was ever a New York Stock Exchange. He's been in control of the universe for eternity in the past and will be in control of the universe for eternity into the future. So the wisest way that any man, any woman, any child, any teenager, any grandparent, any person could ever live is with this reality where I lean not on my own understanding, but I trust in the Lord And this is what the scripture says, in all your ways, in every decision that you make, in all your paths, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What if this became the theme of your life in 2013 and you were to change the lens through which you see life and you see wisdom? And so instead of trying to make decisions on human wisdom alone. And again, guys, if you went into my office here in this facility, you would see like 50 business books written by people who are not Christian. And I I think that there is a ton of wisdom in the world that can be applied to our lives. 
but all wisdom is God's wisdom. There is no wisdom, there is no truth, there is no principle that works in this life and sustains itself that God did not put into orbit or put into order. And if I would be willing not just to live within cooperation of how he's created the world, but in relationship with him, how much more would my wisdom grow as I make decisions in my life? Because if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to hear. God is able to lead you right now, right now, today, this week, next month. God is able to lead you in this current season in the now with his knowledge of what is next. God is able to lead you in the now with his knowledge of what is next. Every person that walks on the planet is limited in their wisdom, their understanding. Even people that say they read the stars and do the freaky astrology stuff is limited. And many times, I think, all the time, that astrology stuff, in case you're wondering, is straight from the pit of hell. And I can't even unpack it and didn't plan to say that. But there is a limitation to the wisdom in this world. But there's a God that's sovereign. He created the universe. He holds it into orbit. And his desire is for relationship with you and with me. And he can lead you right now with his knowledge of what's next. So every single day when you wake up, there's a God that knows what's going to happen to you that day, that week, that month, that year, that decade. Your whole life is laid before him and he can lead you in the now with his knowledge of what is next. So the wisest way that any man, any, any woman, any child could live is with this as the foundation of your life and of my life. And if our life is built on this foundation, it's secure with the test of time, with disappointment, with disparity, with trials, with tough seasons financially, if your life is built upon the fear of the Lord and the realization that he's in control of the universe, it is a secure foundation. And with this foundation, now throughout the course of this series, we can then go and build on that foundation and learn to live in a way that is in alignment with how he's created the universe. I want to encourage you to be back because next week we're going to talk about a principle called the path principle. Where we deal with this. That it's your direction, not your desire that determines your destination. So be back for that. But before we conclude our time together, could you imagine if we would just apply this one truth to our life this year? That you were created for relationship with God that wisdom in human ways has limitations and to let this ongoing relationship with God become the theme and the driving force of your life. Maybe you might take some time over the next 30 days to say, God, these next 30 days, I wanna commit to you. Maybe you'd start having what we call a quiet time or a devotional time where the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes of every day is designated to pray and to seek God and to read the Bible and to journal and to let him lead you in the now with his knowledge of what is next. I've got an app on my iPhone and my iPad that's called the YouVersion app. And on there is a read through the Bible in, the, in a year plan. And every day I go through and I read scripture and I pray that God would speak to me and give me wisdom and clarity about the decisions that I have to make that day or that week. And it's amazing looking back over my life what God has done with his knowledge of what is next in the present moment, how he's led and guided me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a leader of our church. Could you imagine 
how your life would be different this year if this were the theme of 2013. The one thing that you would pursue above all things would be knowledge and relationship with God. There is no limit to the wisdom that he could put into place in your life. Maybe you would decide uh, with my wife Stacy and I, we're doing a 21-day Daniel fast. You can go Google it. There are like a million opinions on what a Daniel fast is. So just pick one opinion and follow it. And, and on a Daniel fast, we're committing 21 days to prayer and fasting to really focus on God at a higher level. Maybe you would give up Facebook or Twitter or social media or, or something that distracts you so that for a period of time, you could focus at a higher level on God and let him speak and let him give wisdom to your life and let this year be different. This year can be different than any other year in your life and my life. And it's a year that we can build wisdom up on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. And if we do this, there is no limit to the wisdom that God can give into our lives and the fruitfulness that he can bring into our lives if we will trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Happy New Year. Let's pray together. God, thanks that you are faithful. You've been faithful for eternity into the past and you'll be faithful into the future. And in this moment, we trust in you. We want to know you more, as that song said this year. That's our, our one desire of anything that we could ask of you this year, that you would help us know you more. I pray for every person who's here today, people who are apart from relationship with you, people who are seeking you, people who want to know you this year, people who want the fear of the Lord to be the foundation of wisdom for their lives today. We pray that you would help us analyze and look at life through this lens above any other lens and that you would give great wisdom into our lives as a result. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.